Welcome to the Pactum. I'm Pat Abendroth with Mike Grimes, and today we are talking about one of our very, very favorite topics. It is Sola Fide. That's right, one of our favorites. Mike, it is going to be fantabulous it's talking be about Sola Fide, but I think first you have to talk about some new gear. I've got to talk about some new gear because, hey, Pactumverse listeners, we have got a new shirt available for you. It is the Pactum Glossable shirt. If oh, you haven't seen boy, oh, the Glossable shirt, I think you need to go over to thepactum.org, check out our store, and look at that Glossable shirt. It's kind of like, you know how, I don't know if it's hip and cool and trendy anymore, but it's got Glossable and then a definition of the word. It like, says, like phonics? Uh, the it, phonetics. What, oh, it has phonetics. phonetics. Okay. That's how you say the word, which I don't know if it's exactly right, but I think it's pretty darn close. And then it says it's a noun... What is gospel? The damning Ooh, mixture of law boy. and gospel. You can pick up your shirt on thepactum.org. You go to the store, pick it up. Now, listen, hey, little bit of My Mike's a getting animated about here. this. I know that it may say not available when you go to purchase the shirt. Listen, the internet's crazy. <laughs> things happen. There's technology involved, and I'm working on it. And I've had it fixed once. I'm going to have it fixed again. Mike's been. On, Mike's had to solution. spend some time on the packed himself. But I will tell you that if you get there and it says not available, there is a secret trick. Hit the refresh button on your browser oh. and watch it become available. It's just they're it's they're lying to you. It is available. It but is. It says it's not available. Refresh. It's available. Pick it up. Awesome. Love to see you sporting that. You know what? I like the shirt so much. I have I have two of them. You do. I do. And well, you ordered you one late that. at night that you didn't even know about. That That is very true <laughs> <laughs> for a friend. So somebody asked me the other day, they said, why do you guys have all this merch? Why do you have all these, this gear? gear? They said it's cool gear, but, but what's the deal with the cool gear? And I said, you know what? We have it because it's fun. And uh, we like to get the word out. And why not? Why not have cool gear? Why not have a little fun now and then? Gospel, because when you mix law and gospel, you ruin both. We're yeah. going to talk about that maybe later. And so we want to help, you know, get the word out. Get the get the word out about law and gospel. And right. why not look good while you're doing it? Why not have this cool Pactum gear? You yeah, know, absolutely. it's kind of fun. It's a fun thing, right? Absolutely. Right. So make sure you fit in and uh, do your part. Do your part in helping yeah. people to know the difference between. Between law and gospel, maybe making fun a little bit. I heard they make uh, good gifts for uh, what do they call it? Uh, not friendiversary. What do they friends. call it? Friend, friendsgiving? Friendsgiving. <laughs> hey, yeah, because friendsgiving will be coming up. See, yeah, you can give something to your host family you or something go. like that. At little. Christmas time, we'll be talking about stocking stuffers. Hey, stocking stuffers, like all that. these things. That's yep. funny. Well, today on the Pactum, we are continuing our Reformation Month October series on the five solas, and we are doing sola fida. fida. <laughs> Mike has got sola his mind fide. in other places. I, had, I don't know. Sola fide uh, is what we're talking about today. Sola fide. So the five solas, the five shorthand slogans that we right. would say are associated with the Protestant Reformation. If you're listening in December, it's okay. It's we think right. these are important in December as well. These are year-round things to but think about. we are recording them in October. October. So salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in the finished work of Christ alone, or on account of Christ alone. And we do this, or all of these things are true because of the glory, for the glory of God alone, ultimately based upon special revelation, scripture alone. Today it is sola. Sola fide. fide. And boy, have we got a lot to cover. I think we should, you should do a song. There should be some kind of cool song about sola fide. I just like to say it. Sola fide. Sola fide. I'm sure Mm. there is one. I'm not so sure there is a good one. Send us all your sola fide tracks, Pactum Verse. Let us know what they are. What have you you been studying to lately? What have you been listening to? Uh, when I'm studying, I can't listen to songs with lyrics. It distracts me. Yeah. I can't do it. Same here. So I'm a film score guy. Okay. So so the Batman soundtrack. That is a fantastic soundtrack. I, I like it, and it's kind of fitting for you know October. A little yep. bit creepy, a little bit eerie. Yep. And the la- whatever the last James Bond movie was, that's a good soundtrack. Oh, I don't as well. think I've listened to that one yet. But having said that, if you do the Batman one, you won't get the Nirvana song that's oh. in the movie. Oh, you won't. And that way you won't be distracted, but it's kind of a cool song. Is it? I don't even think I know about that. I'm not sure. I'll have to check it out. But yeah, I'm a big film score kind of guy, which is funny because I discover all these film scores and I've never seen the movie. And then I'll say to my wife, I want to see that movie. She's like, why? 
Have you heard the film score? We've got to watch it. Yep, absolutely. It's, it's fun. So I, I thought that was, I think that's interesting because sometimes I think musicians can't listen to the film scores it's way, oh, because yeah. they're distracted. Somehow I don't know what the the difference is for me, but I don't get as distracted by film scores. I think it's because film scores have the purpose and intent of providing emotion and background. Oh, and I'm getting a music lesson. You know, to the what's happening on screen. It's okay. like text painting with the music. And so for me, especially when I'm doing sermon prep, it's like I, if the certain part of the song comes up, I get all hyped up about, I don't know, it's kind of weird. And then it doesn't replay in my mind when I'm preaching, but you know, it's, it's I, there. I think some authors talk about what they listened to while they were writing that oh, book. Sure. I, can, yeah. I, can, I can get down with that. Yeah. So as we think about sola fide, we should ask the question. We've been, you know, speaking all this Latin, and we don't even know we what don't, is. And we're cessationists. Right. We don't even think you should speak in other tongues, <laughs> other known languages, other known languages. So, right. what is sola fide? It's sola shorthand fide. for yeah. justification. Sola fide, which is another way of saying justification by grace alone through faith, faith alone. alone. So, yeah. it is justification through faith alone. That's what we mean when we say sola fide and you don't need to know this to be a Christian. You don't need to know any Latin, right. but I do think it's a big enough deal in theology that you need to learn it pretty quick just to fit into Christian theological conversations. So, sure. I use yeah. it actually a lot, not so much in church, but in classes. Sola fide, justification by grace alone, through faith alone, maybe we should talk about justification a little bit. Right, yeah, maybe thinking about what justification is. We all know justification is just as if I never sinned, right? <laughs> we have talked about that on other episodes. No, it's not yeah. just, as, just as if I never sinned. Right. Uh, it's something else. It is to be declared righteous. Yes. It is yes. a legal term. So if you're justified, you are declared an upholder of God's law. So how about dropping some Burkoff yeah, on say the Burkoff, fantastic. Justification is a judicial act of God. So courtroom type I, of I was right. Talk, I, talk I, you, I right? feel firmed. Judicial, judicial act of God in which he declares on the basis of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That is the law keeping. Right? It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Okay. That all the claims of the law are satisfied with respect to the sinner. I think we should close the service in prayer. Let's pray. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> That's a great way of putting it. It's simple. It's Burkoffian, uh, which is to the point. <laughs> we, we, we like Burkoff's systematic the- theology because it's not watered down, but it is uh, clear and pretty much to the point. So just think forensic, think uh, legal declaration, but it's not based upon your righteousness. It's based upon the righteousness righteousness of another. It's alien Alien righteousness. righteousness. You are declared righteous, declared a law keeper. Yep, even though you're not. So, But then we say it's just, so that's the justification part. And now we talk about justification by faith. Faith, yep. And uh, I think we better talk about what faith is as well, Mike. Yeah, drop, I think, drop I was some knowledge of, on us. I don't know, have a ton of knowledge, but I was thinking about this before we did the episode, thinking, you know, sometimes we say that word faith. What is faith? What do we mean by that? And I think from NOCO Radio, your brother, Mike Avendraw, there is a fantastic wealth of knowledge there. You're going to offend and a bunch of our listeners. <laughs> one way I've heard him say it, I think, is great because I don't like cats. Do you like cats? I'm not going to answer that question. Okay. I can neither <laughs> affirm nor deny. I don't like cats. I'm allergic, so I can tell you that. <laughs> and your brother, I've heard him say on a few occasions, the only cat he likes, he's talking about faith, defining faith, knowledge, K, right? Knowledge, okay. assent, the A, and nice. then trust. Knowledge, assent, Knowledge, and, assent trust. and trust. The only cat I like, your brother, Mike. I think that's super helpful. But when we're talking about faith, what are we talking about? We're talking about trust. We are. Right? That's, and yep. it's that's a good way to just way kind to of boil it. it all down. Trust. So it is true. There are. It comes from the three Latin words, notitia, ascensus, and fiducia. Ooh. So those are the three. That, that's the cat. Yeah, it um, is the cat. So keep that in mind and just know that I do like cats. I just can't have any in my home because I... Uh, I'm allergic, mm. Mike. I'm allergic. Sneezing. I like kittens, but they grow up to be cats. They but do. now I just divulge too much information. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not cutting that out either. <laughs> uh, but so let's really think in terms of personal trust in Christ. That right. will help us. Yep. So when you believe in Jesus or have faith, because they come from the same word. So when you believe in Jesus, you're trusting in Jesus. You're trusting in him. You're putting your personal trust in him as Savior, as Lord. That's what it is. I like what what some old theologians would say. It's refuge-seeking trust. Hmm. So we're looking to him for refuge or for rest. Remember, Jesus promised rest to those who come to him. Refuge-seeking trust. 
refuge seeking trust is good. Yes. And uh, if we want the confessions to weigh in a little bit here, uh, I think we can reference the confessions. Yeah. So it's not like obedient faith. We like obedience, but an obedience should come as a result, but it would be anti-Protestant. It would yeah. be anti-reformed, anti-biblical. It would be anti-confessional to sneak obedience sure, or to sneak yes. goodness or any kind of virtue in faith because Jesus is the good one right, yeah. who we're trusting in. That's why the Westminster Confession says in chapter 11 on justification, it is receiving and resting. Mm, yeah. So think that refuge-seeking trust thing. It's receiving and resting on him and his righteousness by, by faith. faith yeah. The second London Confession is similar, also chapter 11. In fact, it's identical to a degree. Faith thus receiving and resting. So they wanted to make sure they copied that. Mm-hmm. Receiving and resting on Christ and his righteousness is the alone instrument of justification. Right. Yeah. I, I really think that can be of great value to you as you think this through. Sola fide. So it is by faith. That is this refuge resting or trusting. It's the alone instrument. It's not faith plus works. It's not faith that is uh, wonderful and virtuous. Uh, Christ does all the work. We're resting in him to do what's necessary for us. And that brings us to why we call it a sola. Right. Why is it faith alone? It's alone. So it's not just faith in Christ. It's faith. Let's go out of our way because we want to be clear that it's the alone instrument. So we believe in sola fide. It is justification through faith alone. Sometimes we say by faith alone, but it should be by grace alone, through Through faith faith alone. It's the alone instrument. And really what we're getting at, dear listeners of the pactum, really what we're getting at is we're saying it's Christ. Yeah. Yeah. It's only Christ. Yes. It's him alone. So there's overlap here. So when we did our solus Christus, I think we mentioned that that's why we talk about it's faith alone. Yeah. Yeah. So it's super simple, but it's important. Think in terms of Jesus paid it all. Jesus did all of the necessary things that need to be done. He fulfilled all righteousness. He made atonement for sins. He said it is finished. Everything necessary. Uh, Well, if that's the case, what's left for us to do? Yeah. Nothing meritorious. We rest in Christ. It is the alone instrument. Faith is we're seeking refuge in him. He's the worker. We're not the worker. We're the rester, if you will. (laughs) The receiver and the rester. Absolutely. So we have to think in those terms. And it is important. uh, Here it is, Reformation Month. It's important that we remember that the Reformation was not about, well, Rome teaches, uh, you know, raw salvation by works. And the Protestants say, no, it has to be by faith. Hmm. Rome never did that. They were always saying it's by faith. Faith. But it wasn't only by faith. In other words, they were saying it's Christ, but in actuality, regardless of what they say, it's Christ plus Plus. what you do. Yeah, yeah. And so that's why we say it's only. So remember, if we want to think in theological terms, uh, Rome is not Pelagian. So remember, Pelagius is the heretic who said people are good and they can basically save themselves. Well, no, if you if you read Rome's writings, they're very clear. They, they really, truly believe in sin. So it's not that people are inherently good. Um, they're not Pelagian. They're semi-Pelagian. So that's why it's another way of thinking about this. They believe in salvation by grace through faith in Christ. But we don't have the sola the, aspect yeah, yeah. because we don't think Pelagian or his cousin Semi, Sem- <laughs> ch- channeling R.C. Sproul, um, both are in error because it has to be Christ and Christ alone, alone yeah. because we're dead in trespasses and sins. God has to make us alive together with him. Think Ephesians 2. So sola fide, I hope as you're listening to this and you've learned enough, maybe it's a good refresher course. As you're listening, I hope uh, you could articulate this to a friend. Right. You, you yeah. could talk to someone, Catholic, Protestant, atheist, whoever it may be, a Christian, and say, you know what? I learned about sola fide, and let me help you understand why it's what yeah. it is, or yeah. at least what it is, what because it is. we haven't talked about why we it's so important about it yet. yet. Right. We're but we're there. going to do that. Right. Yes. Mike, let's move on. And you know what? I'm going to back away from the mic like I did last, like time, did last time, because I need to take a drink of my 
coffee and I don't want to do it gulp right on the microphone on the podcast. I was listening <laughs> to a podcast last night and the guy gulped. I think I don't know. After twenty times, oh. I tapped out and found something else to listen to. Yeah, that. Yeah, I'm not into that. It's like eating. I'm eating my bag of chips and drinking my soda here while I'm recording the episode. You know, my parents didn't teach me everything, but they taught me to uh, oh. be somewhat self aware. Somewhat. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about faith alone, and we've talked about what it is. Uh, but as you just said, maybe we need to spend some time talking about. Uh, why do we even talk about it so much? It's it's the month of October. We're talking about being Reformation Month. We're doing the five solos. But why would we talk about this in March? Keep talking because I need, or why I need a second drink. Or why would we talk about it in February? <laughs> or, uh, there's 12 months I can list here while you drink that coffee. But, you know, why is it so important? And one of the very first basic reasons is because this is a first order, first importance issue. It is of utmost importance that we understand faith alone. Sola fide. Justification is by sola fide. Mike Grimes, I couldn't agree with you more. Good job extending that out. I'm feeling time. (laughs) My coffee's not quite as good as the Tenebras Dark that we produce, but I had to do the Keurig kind of thing, and so it had to be a lesser brand that I can't mention. Yes. It, well, it would be a breach of contract. It would be. So why do we talk about it? <laughs> so for <laughs> first order issue, it has to be. So it, sometimes people make everything a gospel issue, even if it's not a gospel issue. This actually is a gospel issue. It is, yeah. Uh, in light of Galatians chapter one, which we may talk about later, we may not, I don't know. But it is of first importance because it's related to the gospel and how we are saved, how we are justified. Uh, eternal destiny kind of stuff is at stake, so the stakes are high. Uh, we all should. We also should chime in a little bit here and say, or in a different sense, it's always attacked. It's always yeah, undermined. It it's always assaulted uh, in different ways, shapes, or forms. Somebody's always out to get it. Yep. Yep. Why do you think that is? I mean, people like to have their part in I doing things. W- we do. You do. Think? I mean, we, we do. We're wired that way. We want to do something, achieve something. We are wired to either be Pelagian or semi-Pelagian in one way or another. And so it's always being attacked in different ways, shapes, and forms. So we we think it's important. We want to talk about it all the time, not just in October. uh, And in part, too, because we care. We care about people. We care about you. And we want to help equip you. We want to reinforce those of you who are pastors and to say, you know what? Great job for preaching salvation in Christ alone. And it is received by faith alone. Let's be clear. We want to be encouraging to you because it really is vital, critical. It's the only way of understanding things that will give Christ and Christ alone the glory. And yet so many, so many people don't get it. They don't understand it. Uh, You know, the person on the street, when you say, if you go to the local Bible college, maybe evangelical Bible college, could you help me understand in one sentence or in one word or just simply uh, what, what does justification mean? Sure. Yeah. Well, who knows what you're going to hear? Yeah. Um, just as if I never sinned, maybe. Yep. Yeah. Uh, made right, uh, made righteous, holy. I mean, maybe those are some of the better kinds of answers you might hear. Yeah. They might give you 10 reasons why Christians shouldn't trick or treat <laughs> <laughs> if it's a conservative place, <laughs> which maybe Christians shouldn't. I don't know. But um, we should know what justification yeah, is. It's, it's of utmost importance. And we tend not to know what justification is. I think also in part because, uh, which is why we're doing an episode today, which is why we want you to know what sola fide is, maybe in part too, because evangelicalism is so experiential. It has to do with me and my feelings oh, sure, yeah. and what has happened to me subjectively, whereas justification is not subjective. It's the alien righteousness right. of Christ, something right. he did for you yes. to be received by faith contrary to the can-do spirit. Right, yeah. Uh, it's not something you feel, although you might feel effects that come as a result. Sure, yeah. So let's let's do our very best, Mike Grimes. Let's do it. Uh, let's do our very best now <laughs> to talk about the biblical rationale. Yeah, what's some of the biblical rationale for sola fide? Maybe a few passages we can talk about here. Let's do a passage that we've never talked about before on the pactum, and we're at 91 episodes. Let's do it. Yeah, and that is uh, the tax collector uh, that we learn about and the Pharisee in Luke chapter 18. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of the, the first justification strong passages sure. I ever really studied. I remember reading a chapter in a book about justification on this, and I read it and reread it and reread it, and I thought, that 
is awesome. Hmm. That is so cool and clear that it has to be sola fide because there's no way this guy had time to do anything. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it says in Luke 18, verse 9, prepare to be impressed. It says, he also told, he, Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves. Hmm. So they didn't have sola fide. No. <laughs> they, they trust in themselves, they had faith in self, uh, that they were righteous, that they were adher- adherers to God's law and treated others with contempt. And so here's what Jesus says. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I want to have some kind of funny, weird accent, God, (laughs) right? Yeah, for the Pharisee. (laughs) God, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this, point to that guy, mm-hmm. tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. So he's got a big resume. He's con- self-congratulating, yeah. uh, sola, trust, and self, uh, yeah. <laughs> or something. <laughs> That's Latin. Right. Okay. It <laughs> then it says in verse 13 of Luke 18, But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, Hmm. rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Hmm. That's... Amazing. Right? He, awesome. He didn't have time to go and do he anything. Didn't do, yeah. He didn't have time to go and say, oh, I'm going to go do the tithes. I'm going to go do all the stuff. And he couldn't go to mass or you know, take Holy Communion. Right. Or, <laughs> or he, he, he couldn't do anything. Right. He, he, he was desperate before God. He knew he didn't measure up. That's why he beat his breast and he cried out to God for mercy. That's all he did. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And so what happens? He's, he's declared righteous. Yeah. yeah which is counterintuitive. And in, in one sense, let's, let's flesh this out a little bit as you're listening to us, think it through. How he, he, in one sense, that's impossible. In one sense, that's scandalous. Hmm. He couldn't be justified. It seems like Jesus is lying because he didn't do anything. And to be justified would have to mean that somebody does the law. Right, yeah. And he didn't, yeah. he didn't do the law. So, Mike, how do we get Jesus out of the bind here, or me out of a bind, having suggested that Jesus was a sinner? Yeah, well, that righteousness, that law-keeping had to come from somewhere else, outside of him, an alien, as we say, righteousness, How about that? That righteousness had to to come from Jesus, actually. Yeah, it had to. It's the only way it's possible. Yep, so Jesus is, is using the parable to get people to think... I'm busted. I, I, there's nothing I can yeah, yeah, do. Yeah. I'm desperate. So that they ultimately would look to him. To him. Yeah. So Luke 18 is, is wonderful. It puts us in our place. Uh, it makes us desperate in all the right senses. His justification had to be given as a gift. Hmm. Uh, otherwise, it, I mean, it had to be. That's, just, that's the point of the whole parable. Right. Yes. So, yeah. Okay, Luke chapter 8, verse 1 is a classic go-to. We go here a Romans, lot. Romans 8. I did this last you week, too. You said Luke. I did? <laughs> last week, it was some Hebrews one, you and you had to go Hebrew, edit it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to edit that, because that's funny. <laughs> Romans 8. <laughs> okay. Romans 8, Oh, one. we were just in Luke. We were in Luke. Now okay. we're in Romans. Okay, so how, how often do I do that in preaching, I wonder? Uh, it, only a handful here and there. And they just, yeah, elbow their spouses. Yeah, we all know. Uh-huh. So... <laughs> Isn't that funny? It is. So Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So no condemnation, that's the opposite. That's the negative side of justification. Right. So if we think of like Romans 5, the condemnation versus justification, one is declared righteous, one is declared uh, unrighteous. Yeah, yeah. So it's legal pronouncement from God. But here it says now, this, this is a present reality, I would suggest, in light of the verses that came before, that mm-hmm. we're not condemned by the law anymore, that we have Christ's righteousness. So no condemnation which is amazing to think about because he's thinking in terms of, he's pointing us to judgment day. There's going to be no condemnation for you if you're united to Christ by faith. How could that be? Yeah. Well, because you're justified. Right, you're justified, yeah. So awesome. Yep. yep. Uh, Charles Hodge, I pulled Charles Hodge off the shelf today and had to blow, blow the, dust. the dust off from 1886. <laughs> that long, it's been sitting there. <laughs> 
I wish people would read more Charles Hodge when it comes to understanding these things. Sure. Because he's clear and he hasn't had his mind all warped by new perspectives yeah, on Paul right. yeah. and all kinds of other weird gospel things. Yeah. Charles Hodge said this about this passage. It's awesome. Those in Christ, talking about Romans 8.1, not Luke, Romans 8.1, <laughs> those in Christ are not exposed to condemnation, notwithstanding their imperfect sanctification. And I think what he means there yeah. is, even though their their obedience to God is imperfect, right? Yeah. Regardless of that, they are still not exposed to condemnation, which would seem counterintuitive, but it's not because you're in Christ. In Christ yeah. He goes on to say this: those who are in Christ are not exposed to condemnation, and this again is not to be understood as descriptive of their present state merely, but of their permanent position. Hmm. So much, you know. My quick aside, so much for the goofy, made-up doctrine of final justification right, by yeah, works. You right. may or may not get in. Uh, so then he says, they are placed beyond the reach of condemnation. They shall never be condemned. The whole chapter is a proof of the safety of believers, mm. of their security, not only from present condemnation, but from future condemnation. There is and never can be any condemnation that is smoking good. Yeah, that is. That as far is as I'm good. concerned. Strong. Read more old good commentaries. Yes, for sure. I should say that even while he was writing that, there were other clowns writing clowny sure. kinds of commentaries. Right. Yes, there were. And he was refuting <laughs> them, but he's clear in the Protestant tradition, in the textual tradition of observing what the text says and means, no condemnation. Well, that's the negative way of saying Therefore, having been justified yeah, by right. faith, Romans 5, one, 5, 1, yeah. we have peace with God. Right, yeah. It is rockin' good. Yeah, yep. How about one more passage? How about Romans 4? Go Romans for it. 4, 5. Yep. Maybe the ultimate touchstone. Yes, amazing. Romans 4, 5. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So it's to the one that works? No. It's to the one who does not work, so not something that we have done or we are doing or any kind of righteousness that we're producing, but believes in him who justifies. So there's that faith, trust, believes in him, God, who justifies the ungodly. So it's not even a cleaning up your act to come to God so that you might be accepted by him, but you're believing your faith, your trust is in him who justifies, and it's counted as righteousness. One of my favorite texts, Amazing. because... It really is one of my favorite texts because we tend we tend to think naturally that God would declare righteous the righteous. Yeah. He would declare righteous the godly. No. Yeah. And most religions and even religions that pose as Christian, that's why we have a reformation. Right. They would say, in effect, God is going to justify the godly. Yeah, well, yeah. no, it clearly says in Romans 4, 5, he declares righteous the ungodly. It begs the question, how in the world could he do that without becoming unjust as a judge? Right, yeah. Only because we have a substitute, yeah. Jesus Christ the righteous. Yeah. So biblical basis, we could go on. We yeah. could go to the Old Testament. We could go to Genesis 12, yes, yep. Genesis 15. 15 yeah. Uh, which Paul does actually in Romans 4. So right, we're going to yeah. stop there. But once, as we like to say on the Pactum, uh, once you see it... You can't unsee that. You, you can't really unsee it. And you're going to see it everywhere. It absolutely is true. Yep, it's awesome. Let's go ahead and progress yes, to talk about sola fide on. and the important doctrine of imputation. imputation. Right. Is there a relationship between sola fide and imputation? Do they go hand in hand? How about if Do we just not? how about if we just lock and load a little RC Sproul? So RC Sproul yeah. says it is essential imputation is essential to justification. I yep. wish I had, you know, the kind of RC Sproul grovelly voice, but I don't. Right. Uh, the imputation <laughs> of the righteousness of Christ is the sole ground of our justification. Mm. So we're not we we don't have justification if we don't have imputation. Uh, he also says without imputation you do not have the biblical doctrine of justification by faith alone, and without sola fide you do not have the biblical gospel. Mm. And then finally, one more good little bullet point from Sproul. Without a clear affirmation of the imputation of the righteousness of Christ alone, achieved in his perfect active obedience, not limited to his work of atonement on the cross, sola fide is not 
affirmed. Hmm. Swinging for the fence yes, there, yeah. R.C. So there, there's definitely a relationship between <laughs> At least according to his perspective. So right, yeah. now we probably should define imputation. I'll say, what is imputation? So think crediting. Okay. It, that's what it means, to be credited with. So the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was credited, credited. to him as righteousness. It was imputed to him. So uh, it's put into your account, even right. though it's not actually yours. So dear listener... Think in terms of Christ is the righteous one. He perfectly obeyed the law. He perfectly made atonement for our law breaking. His perfect righteousness is credited to us by faith and only by faith, Romans 4. And based upon that righteousness, God can then declare us righteous, which is yep. to be justified yep. because there is a real righteousness. Uh, it's not ours. But it's his, and it right. comes to us freely. So if you don't have imputation, you don't have justification. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work. You've got to have a way for that righteousness to be credited to you. Yep. Add, imputation. Yep. It's good. It's wonderful to see how they, they both go together, and uh, they, they work hand in hand. Let's yeah. talk about friends and friends foes. Friends and foes. We tend to do together. this on lots of episodes. We so do. Yeah. Who likes it? Who doesn't like it? Hey, we're just trying to help you. We're trying to help you to know who you need to help, yeah. uh, where you can find sweet fellowship, and where you have work to do. Yeah. So, yeah. And, well, and, hey, we, we love Sola Fide. We, 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 we do here on the Pactum, and we do because we're sinners, and sinners love Oh, so we're friends. Solafide. We're friends of Solafide. <laughs> we are friends now of Solafide. Now I see we're, Yeah, so so the Mike and Pat, who have a problem, yep. uh, we love Solafide. We yes. are friends of Solafide because we are sinners, just like the tax collector. Like, yeah. And so as the old saying goes, uh, we're beggars trying to help you all beggars know where to find food. <laughs> and we have found food, if you will, spiritually speaking. We found righteousness in Christ. Yeah. And so we love it, and we know that Christians love this great doctrine yeah. because they love Christ, because they know that they need a substitute, Jesus Jesus Christ the righteous. So, yeah. Yep. How about Rome? The Rome damns sola fide. They, there you had to go and start being negative again. I, well, we, friends and foes. Friends you know, and foes. Okay. Out, right? So we're going we're gonna to do the foe side right. of things we'll now. Right. We'll do the foe And here. it is... You know, Reformation, Reformation Month, so right. we need to talk about the, those who were counter-Reformation. Yeah, yeah. Right? So thinking about Rome, think about, listen to this, from the Council of Trent, right? If anyone says that men are justified either by the sole imputation— Me, of, that's me. Yeah, by the sole imputation of the justice of Christ— Or righteousness of Christ. I'm, I'm right? that person. Or by the sole remission of sins oh. to the exclusion of the grace and the charity which is poured forth in their hearts by the Holy Ghost and remains in them— so also that the grace by which we are justified is only the goodwill of God. Let him be anathema. Oh, that's that's not good. That's yeah, not that's they, that's not nice. No, they are a foe. <laughs> they are a foe of sola fide yeah. uh, in so many ways and for so many reasons. It's why we had a Protestant Reformation. Yeah. Uh, and remember, Council of Trent. That's still on the books. Um, sometimes Rome is in a good mood. Sometimes they're in the inclusive mood <laughs> and call us separated brethren. But that condemnation actually uh, it has not been undone. Yeah. So Vatican II did not undo the Council of Trent, contrary to some people's opinions. It didn't. And so we, we have to take this seriously. And I, I want to admire Rome in one sense and Trent in one sense, because at least they say what they think. Yeah. And at least it's in print, and at least we can know that they damn the gospel. Right. And yeah. we can say, well, there it is. Um, yeah. Do notice that they do talk about there's grace and charity poured forth in people's hearts by the Spirit. Hmm. Well, th that sounds good, but that's not how justification works. Right. So um, we want grace and we want charity poured forth in our hearts, but that's not what brings about God declaring us righteous. Right. And so we have to keep that in mind uh, as we're trying to process through things. So I, I, you and I and the Pactum and the Pactum verse are officially under the anathema, the condemnation of Rome. We are. Yep. Uh, and in one sense, it's good to know that. And, you know, read Galatians 1 and Galatians 1, 8 and 9. Yep. Different gospel means you're anathematized. And so we would return... Um, the sentiment, if that's the right word, and say that's why we would say uh, that Rome preaches a false gospel uh, yeah. because they deny justification by grace alone through faith alone on account of Christ alone. It's not that we despise Roman Catholics. Uh, we love Roman Catholics. We have a city filled with them. And uh, I have personal friends who are Roman Catholic. Uh, I'm just trying to help 
get them to become bad Roman Catholics sure. <laughs> by not believing their church's doctrine uh, and then eventually leaving. Mm. I do wish that more Protestants understood Catholic theology better because I think it might help us to not sound like Roman Catholics sure, yeah. when we're not wanting to sound like them. Yeah, I think so. So how about another How about another foe, Mike, since you're in the bad mood? I, well, I'll just be the grumpy guy here, right? <laughs> how about uh, Richard Baxter? I don't think we've talked about Baxter for a while. It's been a while on. since we've uh, talked about being Baxterian. Yeah, how about But Baxter? Richard Baxter is popular in evangelicalism and in... Yes broader reform circles because of his book, such as The Reformed Pastor. Mm -hmm. Uh, We like to say it's the anti-reformed pastor because in (laughs) reality, he denies justification through faith alone. Yeah. And so he's not very reformed in his understanding of justification. And so we wish people would stop promoting his works. Yes. Um, So he says faith justifies because it obeys. Uh, that's not the Protestant understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is why uh, John Owen got all worked up uh, back in the day, who was a, a peer, if you will. Sure, yeah. So we're talking 1600s, um, and it's why uh, he responded so strongly. So sadly, lots of pastors don't know this, uh, and they promote Richard Baxter, and it's it's errant, and it's no wonder he tries to get you to clean up your life and work so hard at trying to do so, because he, he's not trying to help you as a justified Christian live out of gratitude. Right, yeah. He's trying to get you cleaned up enough to be justified. Yes. And it's no wonder that it's so, um, I don't know, oppressive, yeah, right. discouraging. Right. So... There, there is that. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, hey, you, you mixed in a friend there with the foe. I did. Way to be positive, John Owen. Oh, good, right? good. Thank good, you. Good. I, I feel I'm so nice and affirming. <laughs> Years ago, I remember there was a survey done, and it was, what are you looking for in a pastor? And most people said uh, someone with an open and affirming style. Oh. And I was just so glad they were describing me. <laughs> <laughs> so. Open and affirming. Indeed. That should be maybe on one, some kind of pactum gear sometime. We can do that. We are open and affirming to all who affirm sola, sola fide. fide. <laughs> Otherwise, we have a gospel shirt for you <laughs> to poke fun that even says the word, what is it? It says damning. damning. How's that going to go over in your house at Christmas time? I'm, I don't know. I'm really not sure. Okay. <laughs> it's a good thing we have our own studio now. Oh, man, it's true. Okay. So we should also talk about someone else in the Baxterian line, kind, yeah. of, kind of similar, yes. uh, even though he's a contemporary, and we would say N.T. Wright. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Wright would hold to a final justification uh, by your whole life lived, or based upon your whole life lived, he's fond of saying. So it's justification by faith plus your works, or justification by faithfulness. He gets other things wrong, too. He gets imputation totally wrong. Yeah. So uh, we we would say he he's not a friend. He is a foe. foe. I wish pastors would stop promoting N.T. Wright because mm-hmm. he he's not on board with us. He really he sounds a lot like a Roman Catholic um, in his view of justification, and that's hugely problematic. Yeah, uh, yep. we could talk about federal vision. Uh, we won't, but we could talk we about could. federal vision and yep. say even though sometimes they talk about faith alone, when you uh, press them, they. St- talk about obedient faith, and that's not how Protestants Protestants have spoken. Right. Uh, In in reality, lots of them also like N.T. Wright and his writings. Don't get us wrong. We think we want you to obey. But when we're talking about sola fide, it's not obedient faith. It's this resting in Christ who's the obedient one. Yes. And we want to obey out of gratitude as a result. But a lot of times, people like those in the federal vision, they want to smuggle works into faith and make it mean something that Christians have not historically meant for it to mean. Right. What about... What about Theonomus? Same kind of thing. And there's overlap there with federal vision. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Plenty. A host of Theonomus have denied the classic doctrine. Lots of them tend to like Norman Shepard, who uh, eventually denied justification sola fide. Yeah. And so the list could go on. Uh, I think John Piper says things that are contrary to sola fide. I think Tom Schreiner says things that are uh, contrary to sola fide. I realize that they're they're fan club. 
uh, wants to <laughs> tweet us and tell us how wrong we are. We just don't understand. Yeah. Um, these are people who get paid for being clear in their writings. And so I don't know why all of their followers have to help us understand what they mean. Yeah. Uh, but when Tom Schreiner says, and then I want to explain how sola fide can be sustained since the New Testament, and I quote, teaches that works are necessary for justification and salvation, um, Probably a super nice person who's written some helpful commentaries, yeah. but that's that's not the classic traditional understanding of sola fide, and so I guess I'm going to move on to people who understand the gospel better than that. Yeah, and uh, not sorry to say that, but be aware of this. It's always attacked. It's always undermined, uh, and some who are even within our own so-called camps sure. are yeah. at best weak and unclear, and it robs people of assurance. And it robs people. I think it robs Christ of glory as yeah, well. Yeah, it's all of Christ. Yeah. Good works should come. Oh, we probably should talk about that here. Good works do come. Good works should come, but they yes. come as a result of our position in Christ, a result of our safe standing in Christ. Here's Burkoff. While deeply convinced that man is justified by faith alone, that's the resting, okay? The reformers also understood that the faith which justifies is not alone. Mm. So we would amen that all day long, but don't smuggle good works into the definition of faith or don't have justification somehow be based upon anything you do. Remember, dear listeners, I think I've called you dear listeners at least three times now, so I, I, I'm being open and affirming. <laughs> <laughs> we've, got, oh. we've got to remember Romans 4, 5. He justifies the un godly, yeah. no condemnation. We have peace with God. Now let's obey and yep. try to do the right thing yep. for the yep. glory of Christ. So it is alone, but it doesn't stay alone. That's right. fair. Sure, sure. There needs to be fruit. Absolutely. That's fair. But justification, uh, which brings us assurance, is sola fide. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So what are, what are some objections to sola fide? Maybe some even passages that people are going to use to say, you know what, this, you know, sola fide, I get what you're trying to say here, but I think you're wrong. Wouldn't it be interesting if the Bible said that you're justified by works and not by faith alone? That would be interesting, wouldn't I it? I mean, if the Bible said that, I probably would just cash my chips in and do Lent or something. I would, I would go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not the right time Ask of year. Fish, it's not the right time of year. Be, well... Remember, we, we need to know that James 2 actually says that. It does. Here. <laughs> and, and I wouldn't hide that. I, I, I would eagerly and have preached through the book of James with passion. So James 2.24 says, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Uh-oh. We've got a lot of editing to do we on do. this episode, Mike, if, <laughs> that. if that's true. No, no. We, we know that it is true. We think that it is true, but it's talking about a different kind of justification. Right. And so we're in good Protestant company here uh, to realize that James, when you look at the context of the book of James, in the book of James, he's not arguing with the Apostle Paul. No. Or yeah. Paul's not arguing, arguing with James. They're talking about two different things because when James in his account, uses Abraham. He's talking about Abraham in Genesis 22, doing the right works, doing the right thing, um, but he's justified in Genesis 15. Mm. And so even if you look at the chronology, he's justified by faith. It was credited to him as righteousness. That's Genesis 15. Yeah. But then in Genesis 22, his works are showing, evidencing, uh, he's being justified in a different sense, right. we would say. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, for example, someone put it this way, in the sight of God, Abraham is justified in Genesis 15, long before he offers Isaac on the altar, which is what James has in mind. Yes, yeah. So keep, keep that in view, justification in a different sense. So theology oftentimes is all about categories. So we're offering a different category there. And I also would want to point out the fact that if you go back up in James chapter 2 to verse 18... It says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Hmm. So it's really hard to say, hmm, let me, let me draw a picture of faith for you. Right. Yeah. Uh, ha have fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> how in the world do you, how, you just take a snapshot. Right. Right. Do that on your iPhone. Your picture. You, 
you you can't draw a picture of faith, but what you can do it. You, what you can do is you can demonstrate that you have faith by doing works. Yeah. And so I, I can do it that way. And so now think of it in these terms. Now I can be justified before other people who are watching me. Hmm. So other people can look at me and say, Pat has faith and I can tell he has faith by his works and they can declare me righteous yeah. um, <laughs> based upon the fruit that they're seeing, sure. based upon yeah. the evidences, based upon uh, what I'm doing by my work. So yeah. I think one is before God. It's my position on this. Uh, one is before God and the other is before human beings. Sure. Yeah. And I tend to think he has the, the before human beings in mind in James chapter two. Yeah, I think so. We could also look at other texts when they objections to sola fide. Sure. Yeah. There are a lot of passages in the Bible that we would call law texts yeah. or we would yep. call covenant of works texts yep. that says you must do this to gain justification. Romans 2.13 would be an example. Sure. Yeah. Yep. And we would say, like good Protestants and good Reformed Christians, yeah, Romans 2.13, God doesn't justify the hearers. He justifies the doers. That's absolutely true. And there's only ever been one. Yeah. And his name is Jesus. Yep. So Romans 2 is designed to drive you to Christ, which happens uh, after chapter 3 or in chapter 3 when he says, none is righteous, no, not one. Uh, so Romans 2.13 is true, but it's a covenant of works text. It's a law text. Uh, and so no one stands in that line except Jesus. Uh, but people who don't like sola fide, like N.T. Wright, sure. will go to Romans chapter 2. Yep. And he'll say, see, you better get busy. Doers. Not cool, Get not cool it. at all, uh, definitely not good at all, and it won't encourage you. So we've talked about why good works. We've talked about the fact that they come as fruit. We talked about how all that's true. How about covenant theology, since I just said covenant of works, covenant, sure. yeah. Uh, covenant yeah. theology? What, what is, is there a relationship between sola fide and covenant theology? I think the answer I, to yeah. that is yes. I think so too. Uh, yeah. And so I think one way to safeguard sola fide is to actually understand covenant theology, which has the imputation of Christ's righteousness as the obeyer of the law. And based upon that imputation, God declares us righteous. And how is it? It's by faith and only by faith because Christ did it all. Yeah. So years and years ago when I wanted to understand sola fide better, well, one thing leads to another. You start studying justification, then you study imputation, and then you realize that he had to obey the law for him to be uh, the righteous one. Uh, oh, that sounds like covenant theology. Yeah. People, Mike, literally, just like literally people warned me and said, you better not believe in that or eventually you're going to believe in covenant theology. <laughs> <sighs> Guess what? That's why the active obedience of Christ is tied to the covenant of works. And indeed, it's actually tied to imputation and justification. We should do lots of episodes on that some other time. Yeah. But absolutely. we're probably running long. We better we get are. This is one of here. our longer episodes, but hey, it's important. It's good. <laughs> okay, tune in now for part two. Here we go. <laughs> well, we're wrapping it up. So, okay, what happens, uh, maybe we wrap up with this, but what happens when this doctrine is ignored or rejected or muddled? What happens when we do all that? Are the muggles? Muddled. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about Harry Potter. Aren't, aren't there muggles? I have no idea. I, I know nothing about Harry Potter. I'm, I actually, if my kids hear this, they're going to say, Dad, don't you know anything? Didn't you go on the rides when we went to Florida? I, I've never read the books. I've oh, never seen the movies. Now we probably should. You even you've even been to Harry Potter World. I, I have. I've paid good good money. <laughs> as a matter of fact. So what uh, happens when this doctrine is ignored? Well, think about it. If we're if we ignore this or deny it, well, if we reject it, I think we're in danger of, of falling under the condemnation of God because yeah. of Galatians chapter one verse eight. Sure. Yeah. Oh, so there's that. Uh, if we reject the reality of salvation being uh, based basically in Christ alone, but otherwise we're going to be confused. We're not going to be able to understand the Bible very clearly. We're not going to have assurance. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, lots of bad things lots happen. Lots of bad things can right? happen, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> Which is why this is so important and that our listeners hear this, are encouraged by you'll it, never, understand otherwise, it. Yeah, this otherwise is, you'll never know you have, you have peace with God. Yes. The most important thing in the whole world, and if you don't know the most important thing in the whole world, how, how can you cope with life? Right. I actually think this is a big part of the argument in Romans 5, uh, because in the opening section of Romans 5, he talks about suffering and you know how are you going to face life, and life is hard and life mm. is difficult. Yeah, yeah. Well, the key to persevering in the temporal suffering in the here and now is one key. Yeah. Well, he talks about that in the second half of the chapter. It's knowing you have peace with God. Right. It's knowing that you're not under a condemnation. So yeah. 
if you don't understand this and know this, there's all kinds of trouble, all kinds of worry, all kinds of being unsettled. Uh, are, your problems aren't going to go away. No, they're not. So just because you're part of the pact of verse doesn't mean you don't have problems anymore. <laughs> no, it doesn't. So it still is your worst. It, sti- it still is your worst life now. <laughs> yes, it is. So, so but. At least you can get through it and face tomorrow and the next day and the next day and eternity because you know your biggest problem has been solved yes. by Jesus Christ. Yep. So yep. let's keep that in mind. How about some good resources? How I think we have a pretty good, good list resources. here. Yes. I think John Fesco's book on justification is a must read for yep. pastors. I would commend it to anybody and yeah, everybody. Yep. 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 But that's really going to help you think through sola fide. Uh, Michael Horton has a two-volume set on justification, which would essentially be te- teaching the same theology. Right. Yes. Uh, so those are two really good um, resources. There's a book we can put in the show notes called Justified Essays on the Doctrine of Justification that's a goldmine. Yeah. It's got some great stuff in there. Oh, there's a chapter by R.C. Sproul, one by Dave Van Drunen, uh, one by Michael Horton. I mean, it's really, really well done. And so I would commend that one for sure. Fantastic. I think yep. every pastor should read the chapter in there that compares and contrasts and, and engages uh, N.T. Wright and John Piper. Hmm. And uh, Mike Horton does a great job with that. Not the easiest read in the whole world. So I at least think leaders and teachers and pastors should understand the difference and the weakness of both. Yep. Uh, we have a Pactum episode, episode 51, called Do This and Live. Yep, with Scott Clark. That we did with Scott Clark. Yep. That would be also helpful. There's a book called By Faith Alone, Answering the Challenges to the Doctrine of Justification, edited by Gary Johnson and Guy Waters. They engage federal vision uh, in that book, among others, N.T. Wright and others. It's also timely and well done. I really appreciate the uh, the snark by uh T. David Gordon in there. I just yeah. read it the other day. It's pretty helpful. What else? Um, we might recommend Gospel Mystery of Sanctification. Yeah, even Walter though we're ta- even though we're talking about justification, right. he definitely grounds his doctrine of sanctification and Christian living uh, in the doctrine of justification. Sure. Yeah. So, a couple episodes on that, right? Yeah, we have episodes uh, on sanctification. Episode thirty-four, gospel yep. sanctification, and episode fifty, sanctification crisis and cures. Yep, that will help you. He's he's countering the Richard Baxters of the world, right? Uh, and helping you uh, in a positive way down a positive road. So right. Yeah. I think that will help you understand the doctrine better for sure. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for sticking with us for this longer episode here on the Pactum as we talked about Sola Fide. We're thankful for all of you being a part of the Pactum verse. You can be in touch with us online, on Twitter, on Instagram. You can email us, connect at thepactum.org. We'll see you here next time on the Pactum. <laughs>